Hi, and welcome to a podcast from Hope Springs Church Coventry. For more, please find us on Facebook at Hope Springs Church or on Twitter, we're at Hope Springs Cobb. Thank you and enjoy. So I'm doing the last Sunday of Advent that we've been looking at. We've been following the lectionary um, and... We're, going to, we're not going to spend long this morning, but um, we're going to follow the election readings. It's actually quite interesting where it takes us to. So, if you have a real Bible, congratulations this morning. If you have a fake Bible, you can suppose you can use it. Um, a fake Bible, yeah. One that's on your phone or a tablet or something like that. Okay. Um, Do you get, it does it count if you brought it, but it's in the car? You're better than other people in the room. Yeah. It's like the degrees of like spirituality. You're closer, yeah. It's like, yeah. So that's probably better, but it's still not here, is it? It's like I can't see it. So, size looks more like a Bible than most of you in the room. So, it kind of yeah. There's degrees. We can cope with degrees of it. Um, but with your Bible, whatever version you may have, um, if you just go to Micah five, and I might not actually move much out of Micah five, which I bet you didn't expect this morning when you came in the church. Um, but Micah five says this you a few minutes to just type in the page number or turn to the page number or just think about it in your car whatever you want to do um so micah 5 verse uh we're looking at verse 2 micah 5 verse 2 says this uh but you bethlehem epirath i think you pronounce it it's going to be important that word but we'll just pretend it says that today um though you are little among the thousands of judah yet at out of you shall come forth to me, though the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labour has given birth. Then the remnant of his, um, of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of God, the Lord his God and they shall abide for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth and this one shall be peace so obviously talking about Jesus being born and the idea of Mary conceiving um, and that him coming forth and being the one to, to um, shepherd the flock to be peace to be all the things we know that Jesus is to be but I want to pick up two words and I'm going to spend the vast majority of time on these two words the first word is Bethlehem and the second word is the one I can't pronounce, which is fantastic when you're picking on just two words. Um, but it's spelled E-P-H-R-A-T-H-A-H. So we're going to call it Epirath. Okay, which is probably not how you pronounce it. And anyone listening to this that knows better is going to be turning, uh, rolling their eyes. Okay, but those two words. And it's talking about Bethlehem. And it's talking about, we know Bethlehem. We know that, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know the carols, our little town of Bethlehem. We know all that kind of stuff. Um, but that's actually quite significant because he goes on to talk about in here that you're the littlest or though you are little, okay? Um, though you are the small one. Though, though you're the one that, that's um, less significant is the wrong word, but, but less, have a less status than the others of Judah, than the thousands of Judah, um, something significant happened with you. And we have this idea of Bethlehem, that Bethlehem has quite an interesting history throughout the kind of um, story of God as we go through the Bible in terms of like it's significant in terms of uh, Jacob and Rachel because Rachel um, 
uh, Jacob's wife was buried there. It's significant because it's where Ruth and Boaz um, were involved around Bethlehem. It's significant because obviously David is from Bethlehem and therefore gets called the city of David. Um, and it kind of grew from that point of view through the time past and it kind of became a military city, a fortress, a place because of, because of its association with those things, especially David, it became more and more significant. But then as kings changed and as times changed, it, it ended up losing that significance and becoming a more of a kind of a small village, a small settlement, and therefore lost its kind of status as this thing. So when he talks about it here, he's like, look, look, there's not a huge amount of size to you. You're not this kind of overpowering, amazing place. You're not Jerusalem. You're not like the place when we think about it. Um, you're probably closer to Coventry, no offence to us, than you are London, if that makes sense. But you're probably not even Coventry. You're probably some kind of little village on the edge of Coventry somewhere. Um, but the idea is that, that it doesn't necessarily carry this kind of status as a place in terms of that you go, that's the place. That's the place where, where G- Jesus will come from. That's the location because that maps his status. That kind of matches his, his significance. That matches his majesty that place doesn't necessarily match those things. And yet Jesus came from that place. And the interesting thing, the second word that I can't pronounce, I'm not going to say it anymore, but the second word, the E word, okay? We'll call it the E word, that'll make us remember it as well, the E word. The E word basically means fertile. And it's this idea that they are using it as a distinction to other places called Bethlehem as well, which in itself is fascinating because when you have to define something as not the other place, you kind of recognising the fact that that place is less significant anyway. It's like, um, I don't know, people talk about, I, I was doing a lesson the other day at school to do with the Selma, um, kind of march of Martin Luther King over the bridge and stuff like that, and they talk about Birmingham and Alabama, um, and kids say, Birmingham, like Birmingham near Coventry, I was like, no, no, Birmingham in, in America, Birmingham and Alabama, and they're like, oh, okay, Birmingham and Alabama, okay, because you're trying to define it as something that's not the one you know, it's, it's the other one. And I want to make sure you understand it's the other one. Um, and I won't use any person's name for that because that then offends people. But it's the idea that when you maybe know, know someone, if you know someone really well, it's like, oh yeah, it's Luke. It's like, okay, yeah, we know Luke. And they're like, um, it's Luke. So, so it's Luke? Like, you know Luke, not the Luke like that Luke, but this other Luke. Okay, and it's like you're, you're defining them. All right, yeah, absolutely that. You're, you're defining them because they're not significant enough to have their own identity. And therefore, you have to define it by something else. And it's very interesting to use this word to kind of add to that. It's obviously connected to it, but they add to it. But it's idea with fertile. And for me, there's a beautiful connection between those two things because there's this smallness, potentially, but there's this smallness that's there connected to this idea of fertility, this idea of possibility, this idea of something could grow, could happen in this place that's small. And that in itself is just a beautiful thing. That in itself just just says everything about the way that Jesus came. And not just everything about the way that Jesus came, but everything about the way that Jesus does stuff. That Mary, obviously, to us, is Mary. If I said Mary in a, in a, in a church, every single person would know who I was talking about. I am Mary, Mother Jesus, obviously that. Okay? And then people might say, Mary, this one, or Mary, this one. But like, the instinct of actually would be Mary, Mother Jesus. But at the time, that's not who she is. Mary's just Mary. And Mary's not even just Mary at that point. Mary's Mary that, that is apparently saying she immaculately conceived. Mary's that little bit of a kind of like crazy one, the one that apparently didn't sleep around and just is now pregnant. Mary's the one that we want nothing to do with. It's that Mary. So probably actually has an identity, but probably not the identity she wants to have. But the point being that there's a, a smallness to that situation.
And yet in that situation, there's a, without going into too much of the sexual education part of it, there's a fertility there too. There's a possibility there too with her. And it's interesting the way that, that, that God maps these two things together. That there's smallness, and yet in smallness there's possibility. There's sometimes littleness, but in littleness there's this chance of something happening. And it's just amazing that he works it through that way, that even the birth of Jesus, as we talked about earlier, the birth of Jesus was met by <coughs> magi wealth, kings, elite status, and poor, insignificant shepherds who were pushed as far away as they could be from the rest of society because they stunk and they weren't nice and we didn't want anything to do with them. And yet, those two things come together and that, that, that's all that comes together. There's no other fanfare. There's no other kind of other stuff that's going on. There's just these slightly odd, slightly eccentric, but wealthy, rich kings from the East. And then there's these stinky, probably a little bit offensive, a little bit like, we don't want to do with them shepherds. And they're the ones that come and celebrate the birth of Jesus. They're the ones that come and be there. And again, there's this idea that in this stable, in this manger, this insignificant place, we know it so well, but we sometimes miss the fact that something phenomenal happened in that space. And yet we go and we look back and go, of course it was Mary. Of course it was a stable. Of course it was Bethlehem. Because we sing songs about Bethlehem. And we sing this weird song, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And yet, up and down the country, across the world, people sing about Bethlehem all the time. So it's not actually little anymore. Because it, now it has significance. And yet, at the time, it was just Bethlehem. At the time, it was just Mary. At the time, it was just a stable. It was just a manger. It was only shepherds and weird kings that came to see. No offence to us in this room. If we had a church made of shepherds and weird kings, we probably wouldn't think we were the greatest church in the world. Okay, kind of weird, crazy, eccentric people that are into all kinds of stuff, and then people that smell. Okay, none of you smell. Okay, it's fine. Um, but the point is, we, we look back retrospectively and we make those things significant because they become significant. Yeah. We now think, oh, yeah, the kings, they're, of course, yeah, kings came. We understand why they came. That's amazing. Shepherds, absolutely. Yeah, we understand why shepherds came because God connects with shepherds. That's amazing. Mary, oh, Mary's amazing. Mary's this wonderful woman. Absolutely, I'm not saying any of those things aren't true. Bethlehem, absolutely, it had to be Bethlehem. Because we look back and we add significance to it, retrospectively. Yet at the time, there was none. At the time, it's small. It's insignificant. It's unnoticed. And yet in that place, fertileness happened. In that place, possibility existed. In that place, significance existed. And that's the amazing thing about this, that, that that is the way he does stuff. Yet we only think he did it back then. Or we think, actually, well, no, it wasn't back then. Everyone knew Mary back then. No, they didn't. Just think about that. They didn't know her. The mother of the, the, of the saviour of the world, they didn't know her. Or if they did, they thought she was mad or promiscuous or both. And yet we look back and we esteem it. And there's something in the way that God does stuff that is not just back then, it's now too. That do we recognise the fact that whatever the this, this status of it, that actually if we go, okay, it's this, but actually there's possibility that exists in that space. Are we going to focus on the smallness? 
or are we going to focus on the possibility? Are we going to focus on the fact it's Bethlehem, or are we going to focus on the fact that it's the E word that I'm not going to try and pronounce again? Okay? Which are we going to look at? Are we going to focus on the fact it's Mary, or are we going to focus on the fact that it's Jesus? And those two things don't, aren't separate, but the interesting thing is where, where do I, where do we gauge our attention? Is it on the smallness or is it on the possibility? And that for me is what I want to get across this morning. I'm going to see what Christmas is about. That's probably not what Christmas is about. It can be what Christmas is about this morning. But that's what I want to get across this morning. That where, where do we focus? Where do we look at? Am I caught up with this idea that, well, it's small, it's insignificant? Because I want to really make a difference. Or do I get caught up with the fact that actually there's a real possibility? That as we get brought into the routine of society that says, right, New Year's Day, New Year's resolutions, okay, are we already preparing that thing? Okay, there's actually a possibility this year. There's something that could significantly happen this year because it may be that I am small, that I am not people's first thought and stuff, that, that we are not, that whatever it may be, but actually there's real significance here. There's earth changing significance here. Do we really believe that's possible? Or do we say the size of me, of us, of whatever, that limits the impact. Because somewhere we probably do. Most of us in this room probably think, I can't change society. We probably hope we can, but if someone really presses on it, we probably think, I, I don't think I can. Because we, we measure impact with size. If I was bigger, whatever that means, then I can change society. If I had a bigger job, then I can change it. If I was, had more people, then we can do something. If I had more status, then we can have an impact. Because we're measuring size to determine impact. And actually there's nowhere we really read in what Jesus, how, in how Jesus came that that was the measure. God didn't go, this is big, this is significant, this has status, therefore that's where I'll do it. If anything, he did the opposite. He went, this is small, this is insignificant, that's where I'll bring him through. And yet somehow we've brought into this thing that size, <laughs> size matters, okay? We've brought into this idea that, that that's what determines impact. But you think about... I don't know. Martin Luther King. We look retrospectively, don't we? Of course, Martin Luther King made a difference because he's Martin Luther King. But at some point, he was just Martin Luther King. Do you know what I mean? At some point, he was just that. Not Martin Luther King Jr., the kind of, one of the kind of pe people who look back who changed the world. He was just a bloke who had an idea, who believed something. Rosa Parks, we, we esteem as, well, she refused to move. She's just being stubborn. Without belittling it, she, she, she believed in something and said no. And that no had ripple effects that changed stuff. Yeah. But the challenge is that we look back and we make these people, without being disrespectful to them, we make them huge. And they're only huge because we look back at them. At that point in time, they weren't. They were just people. Everyday people with their faults, with their challenges, with their weaknesses, with their strengths, with their own insecurities. But something said, no, 
And I wonder whether they focus on the possibility or whether they focus on the chance, the, the, the what happens if I say no to moving my seat. Or maybe you're not even doing that, just going to actually have to believe in this and I'm not going to move because I don't think it's right. But the idea is that this story for me challenges me for the, the, for the new year, for the kind of what's coming up. Do, do I, am I going to continue to measure potential impact by size of what it is now? Or am I going to measure potential impact by the fact that there's possibility coming up next? But it's interesting because you talk, when we look at it, I'm actually going into, I'm being stuck in down a slippery slope, I'm using my phone to read the Bible, which is just not going to go down well. Um, I know, I know. Um, the, Mary talking about Jesus, to a point, talking about Jesus and being pregnant with her, she says in Luke, or it's talked about in Luke 1 verse 39, it says, in those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in a hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to comes to me for as soon as i heard the sound of your greeting the child in my womb leaped for joy and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the lord and mary said my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior for he has looked with favor on the loneliness of his servant and surely from now on all generations will call me blessed (laughs) i love that Uh, for the mighty one has done great things for me and his holy name his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts and he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty he has helped his servant israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors to abraham and to his descendants that mary two really fascinating things for me with this the first thing is that Mary had started to be caught up with the fact that actually there's something significant happening here. Not because I'm Mary, the mother of Jesus, but because God's done something in me that is significant physically in her, in terms of she was carrying Jesus. But she started to believe it. In a weird kind of way, I don't mean that that suddenly now she believed it, but but her declaration is the fact that actually there's greatness going to come from what I'm carrying. Now, I'm not saying we then flip to this and go, we're awesome, we're amazing, because then that in itself becomes the, the, the opposite of what we're doing. But the point is that she started to recognise, God's done something in me that is significant. And it's not because of my size or my status or my kudos amongst people. It's because he's done something in me. He's done something in me. And therefore, I'm starting to focus now on the possibility of what that means. The possibility of what it means to give birth to Jesus. The possibility of that. And she's focusing on that side of it. The fertility, the E word. Okay, She's focusing in on that aspect of it as opposed to her seeming insignificance. And therefore to some people it would start to look like arrogance. To some people it would start to look like, well she's presuming. And she probably was dis- disparaged across the area. But for her, she's going to actually know something significant is going to happen through what God is doing in me. And now that's the challenge, isn't it? In my home, 
in my street, in my workplace, with my friends, with my family, in my city, in my nation, in my world? Do I believe that something significant is going to happen based on what God is doing in me? Or do I jump onto a falsely humble thing and go, actually, maybe not, maybe someone else? Or are my expectations, like Mary's, getting to a point where I'm going, actually, this connects into something that is eternally significant. This connects into something that has been, in, been before and I'm part of that, that, that process. Do we believe that we're part of the, the work of God in this world that began all that time ago? Or do we believe just, we're just a, a pleb that sits on a seat every now and again? Or do I actually believe that God has done something in me and that's going to have an impact into where I go and where I live and what I, who I speak to? And it's not just going to be small, it's going to be big because I'm not focusing on my size, I'm focusing on the possibility of what can come through. And the amazing thing about this as well for me is Mary starts to believe it and I know this is probably preacher's license to a point but it did something in Elizabeth. And I guess that's the thing that, that so often we will be because society does, it measures based on size. That you're significant because of the, the size of whatever you have. The size of your status, the size of your influence, the size of your bank balance, the size of your house, the size of your, your job title, the, whatever it may be. Okay, the, 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 the society measures that, doesn't it? It's like that, we will listen to that person because of whatever. We will, we will respond to them because of this. We will do this because of this. Okay? It was size measured. Now... Mary had almost got past that. Going, actually, no, no, whether people measure me big or small is kind of irrelevant now. God's done something in me and that's going to be significant because she's focused on the possibility side of it. She's not focused on Bethlehem. She's focused on Ephraim, blah, 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 whatever it is, the E word, okay? That's where she's focused. And therefore, most people won't recognise that. Most people will be like, no, she's a crazy woman, okay? Woman that's slept around and trying to find an excuse to cover it up. But Elizabeth responded because, why? Because something was happening in her that was the same. Not exactly the same, but something was similar was going on in her. And I know, I know it's slightly exciting, but, but what was happening in her leapt when she met someone else that it was happening in as well. When Mary met other people who that thing wasn't happening in, who hadn't focused on the possibility, but focused on the size of stuff, there had been no resonance no connection between the two because that person is thinking well you're not significant in fact you're you're a bit promiscuous and therefore the the the, there's no resonance but when she met elizabeth something's happening on the inside of her that leapt when she met mary because there's a resonance with the two of them the both of them are focusing on possibility now not size or status or position or whatever it may be and there's so many things we use to discount ourselves. But I would suggest to you that despite all of their insecurities, all of their own hang-ups, all of their own difficulties, Mary and Elizabeth started to have this kind of idea that actually there's something working on the inside of both of us here. We're not going to focus in on our lack, on what we don't have, on why we're not good enough. We're going to focus on the fact that God's doing something in us and that means possibility. That means world-changing significance. And it's not just because we look back in history and go, well, that was Mary and Elizabeth. That was Jesus and John the Baptist. Of course, they're significant. Of course, they were chosen. Of course, X, Y, Z. All the things we use to, to discount now. But what if? 
What if God's work stuff on the inside of us that we are saying no to because we're going, well, I'm not significant enough, as opposed to saying yes to because, God, it doesn't feel that great right now, but actually, yeah, I'm going to say yes to this. That, that I can't feel that Jesus on the inside of me right now very much. So I can't feel any Jesus on the inside of me right now. I can't, I can't recognise that. But actually, yeah, I'll go, yeah, with that. And therefore, I will start to structure and change my life to be expectant that, God, you're doing something on the inside of me. And one day, soon, that's going to come forth and it's going to change the world. And we hear that message all the time, don't we, through Mary, that, that, that Mary stuff grew, but that, that is the reality of it, that something had happened on the inside of her and it grew over time, till eventually it came forth and changed the world. And she made adjustments and changes, her life would have altered, that when we're expecting babies or we're expecting, in our case, foster children, you adjust your life to cater for that. Am I adjusting my life to cater for the fact that God's doing something significant on the inside of me and I want to change my life or change things in my life to allow that to come forth. And that could be completely different from one of the next of us. But what is it that, if I'm expecting something to come forth, what is it that I need to change in my life to enable that to have what it needs to have to happen? That we have, we're, we're, we're looking forward to being able to foster, hopefully, if they approve us. We're looking forward to being able to foster, but therefore we have changed our home, literally changed our home to enable space for that to happen. Christmas period, I've got to empty that bedroom, but still, we've changed our home in terms of we've got that space there. But that, even that is a part of the process. I've got to clear a room to make sure there's room and space. And we do that instinctively. When, when we were pregnant with the boys, it's like we, we, we got the, re- the bedrooms ready. When we got married, we, we, we changed stuff in our home to be our home and not just my home or just Susie's home. It, we, change, we do it all the time. When I get a new job, we, you adjust your, your week and your, your, your kind of days to, to fit that stuff in, to make the adjustments to it. Because Why? Because you're expecting that this thing that's just happened or thing that's going to happen, you're going to need to make adjustments with. And we do it all the time. And I would suggest to you that, that God is asking us to shift away from the, the size, focus on the possibility. And because we're focused on that possibility, to start to expect that's going to change stuff when that happens. What do I need to alter in preparation for that, but also for when that's happened? What's going to change that, that that's going to be different now in the way that I conduct my week, my day, my month, my year? What's going to be different now? And I have no idea. There's no point in me listing things that could need to change that because that could just literally be an attitude thing. It could, be a, it could literally be a physical thing. It could be anything. I don't know. But the point is that God is wanting us and is pointing us towards possibility. Looking away from Bethlehem, looking away from the fact it's just you, looking away from the fact that it's, well, I don't know, God, and starting to focus in on the fact that actually there's possibility. There's something on the inside of us that he is working that he has done, that actually that thing can change society. But even that becomes a kind of just nice statement and we don't necessarily believe that it's true. But what if it's true? What if we focused in on, 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 on him and go, okay, God, you've done something and it's going to so change society, it's going to so change the world based on what you're working on the inside of me. Not me on my own, because it's Elizabeth as well. And there's others. But actually, God, there's still significance on the inside of me of what you've done. And I'm expecting, I'm going to make changes to adjust and adapt for that.
Jesus, I just pray that over this Christmas period that two things. First thing, that you would help us to shift our attention away from size or measurement of whatever it may be and start to focus on the possibility. Away from Bethlehem, start to focus in on the E word. And you'd help us to focus on the possibility of what could happen. And start to see as Ephesians, as Paul prays in Ephesians 1, that the pray that we'd know the inheritance in the saints. God, I just pray that we would know that. The inheritance of what you've invested in us. It's not the inheritance in Jesus. It's not the inheritance in God. It's the inheritance that you placed on the inside of us. And Jesus, I just pray that you'd help us draw our attention to that. The possibility you've placed on the inside of us. And that the second thing I pray is that you would help us to prepare and ready for that to come to pass. That it wouldn't just be a nice dream or a kind of lovely thought every now and again, but it'd be something that so captivates our hearts that like with Mary and Elizabeth, we would make changes to our lives to allow it to happen. That we make changes to our lives that, that prepare it, but also that for when it takes place. For when that life-changing thing happens, it could be for a city, for a nation, it could be for society, it could be for an individual, it could be for whatever. And the point isn't the size, again, the point is the significance of what you place on the inside of us. So help us to focus in on that and help us to focus in on, on getting ready for that. That Jesus, I thank you that you didn't come with loud trumpet calls and you didn't come in a kind of five-star hospital with all the singing and dancing stuff that needed, but you came in a manger. I thank you because you came in a manger, you're, the, the, the message is that from small things, from anywhere, great things can happen. And great things do happen. And help us know that this Christmas. Help us know that actually part of what you came to do was to make the heart of the Father known on earth. And that message and that purpose still exists today. That you're calling us to make the heart of the Father known on earth. Jesus, I just thank you for the privilege and the honour of being part of that. That you've entrusted to us, your church, to let your heart be known on earth. So help us to do that. Help us to not focus on the insignificance of stuff and the size of things, but help us focus on the fact that you've called us with the possibility, in whatever way it is, to let your heart be known on earth, to let your kingdom be known on earth, to let heaven be known on earth. In Jesus' name, amen.